0: This is the Mark Stucheski podcast. My guest today speaks with change agents, entrepreneurs, investors, leaders, and donors to get them past the doubt and indecision that consign their great ideas to limbo. And she is also the author of Limitless How to Ignore Everybody, Carve Your Own Path, and Live Your Best Life. Laura Gassner Odding, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Mark, it's great to be here.
0: I am so excited because I love the title of your book, Limitless. You know, a lot of people, I think, are getting in their own ways, and I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that. But before we do, anything that I didn't cover in the intro that you want to share with us to give us more context about who you are?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, it's that's so interesting because, you know, you have to have these bios that are super short. But the truth is that I am I'm an unabashed idealist and optimist and I'm a serial entrepreneur and I'm a fairly intense person because I feel like if you got one big, juicy life on this planet, you might as well live it. So I think your listeners are going to be in for an intense time and a fun time and hopefully a motivating time with us today.
0: Now, this is not a video podcast, but if you want to see how intense Laura looks, just go look her up on LinkedIn. She is very determined. You can tell by the look in her eyes that this woman does not take no for an answer. And when she comes to a roadblock or an obstacle, she just like blows right through it. It's not even there anymore. It it. So let's talk about. You know, how can we get past our self-doubt? Because I see, especially in 2020, with this COVID thing going on, a lot of people are doing one of two things. One, they're curled up into a fetal position, binge-watching Netflix all day. Or they're trying to figure out how they can still serve people. And I see a lot of people getting in their own way. So let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of us were like, oh, no, like, what am I going to do now? I had all these best laid plans for 2020. And I can't do any of them. And I, I think for a lot of people, it was it was not just a you know a shutdown. It was identity crushing. You know, for a lot of people, it was like, well, who am I if I'm no longer here's my business card, here's the thing I do, here's how I do business. And so I spent a lot of time in the beginning of the pandemic not thinking about what I wanted to be, get accomplished, what I am, but I and and who I am. But I started thinking about how I wanted to be. What was the type of person I wanted to be? So that when I look back on this time, I felt proud of myself. You know, there's all this hustle porn out there, like you gotta, you know, go crush it bigger, better, faster, more. If you're not standing in front of your G6 and your Ferrari, you're a failure. And I would argue that that's kind of what got us into this problem in the first place. It's the reason that we have self-doubt is that we're letting all these other people into our heads to tell us what success means. And this pandemic is actually a really great opportunity to stop And think, when life, quote, goes back to normal, is the normal I'm going back to really the life I want? And if it's not, what are the things that we can be doing right now to position ourselves better, to be in the place that we want to be when things start to open back up again?
0: You know, I love when you said, what does success mean to me? You know, a good example of this is, you know, Mother Teresa. You know, she didn't have billions of dollars. She worked in the slums of India, but she was happy. She considered herself successful. And to your point, I think we have to get out of success means a lot of money. And I love how Gary Vaynerchuk puts this so elegantly. He said, look, if you're happy, you're successful. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It's how you make your money. And and so I think a lot of people are getting caught up in saying, well, I can only be successful if I become a millionaire, billionaire, trillionaire, a Jeff Bezos, whatever the case may be. But I think we have to find our inner happiness because if we don't, well, we're just going through the motions. We're just grasping for straws.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, when I was younger, I had a fourth grade teacher who was like, Laura, you're pretty argumentative. You should become a lawyer. And of course, Mark, <laughs> you won't be surprised to know that I told her she was wrong because of course I'm an argumentative person according to her. <laughs> But then I still created a path that got me to law school where I looked around on the first day and I was like, I don't belong here. This isn't what I want to do. Like it was what I thought was success, but it turns out it's not where I belong. And I think a lot of us have a teacher or maybe a parent or maybe a boss or maybe, you know, someone on TV or somebody who told us at some point you should be X, you must be Y, you need to be Z and God forbid you can't be ABC because that's not your place. And we said, okay. And the problem is, is that very often that happened when we were 15, 16, 17 years old. And Mark, you know what you don't have when you're 15, 16, 17 years old?
0: Common frontal.
1: sense. Yeah. yeah you, you don't have any you don't have any idea of the world. You do not have common sense. You don't have a frontal lobe. You literally do not have the part of your brain that's going to help you make good, logical, sound decisions when you're asked to make a good, logical, sound decision about the rest of your life. So is it any wonder that we turn around one day at 25, 35, 45, 55, and we go, is this all there is? Is this all I was meant for? And I spent 20 years doing executive search and I interviewed thousands of leaders at the very top of their game. Remember, I was in retained executive search, which meant that my clients hired me to call the most successful people because they wanted me to recruit them away to their organizations. I was paid to call the most successful people and all those people took my calls because despite the fact that they were super successful on paper they weren't all that happy. And even though they were so successful, they were still like, I'm just one promotion away, one new job away, one new salary, you know, raise away from finally being happy. And it turns out that success doesn't always equal happiness if success is defined by somebody else. I mean, you know, as well as I know that you can't be insatiably hungry for someone else's goals, for someone else's dreams for someone else's life. So it's not until we stop and we ask that question, what does success mean for me? that we can actually have success and happiness.
0: The first time I read Napoleon Hill's Thinking Grow Rich, there's a part in the book where he says, most people don't achieve really good success until their 50s and 60s. And I didn't agree with it and I didn't understand it really at that point, but I'm 55 years young now and I really started getting in my groove this two years ago. And I'm like, I'm 53 when I discovered it. I'm like, that's amazing because a lot of people they think they know what they want to do in their twenties. And I recently saw a video from Steve Harvey, the, the host of family feud on YouTube. And he talks about, he says, you ever fly in a plane and you walk past first class, who do you usually see in first class? People up in age, people with gray hair. That's the way life is. Now there are like Mark Zuckerberg's and there are Jeff Bezos, who's 53 years old. There are some exceptions, but most people have to do different things, expose themselves to different things. Like you thought you were, someone told you to be a lawyer. You went to law school and say, this isn't for me. Because if you don't get exposure, which takes time, you can't get exposure to a lot of things in like a year. You have to try different things. And I look at a lot of successful people out there now. They're not young. They're not 18, 19, 20 years old. There's some exceptions again, but most people had to go through a process to find out what their calling is.
1: That's absolutely true. And, you know, here this is something I think is is super fascinating that it turns out that the average entrepreneur isn't actually the college student creating Facebook in their Ivy League dorm room, but a 39-year-old. The average entrepreneur is 39 years old. And why are they more successful? Because they have a lifetime of experience. Some of them can self-finance, right? So they have a little bit of a start because they have a nest egg that they're putting towards it. But mostly they have experience. They've had experience with different professional paths. They have experience with different roles. They have experience with different responsibilities. They know what kind of work brings out their best talents, and therefore they know who they need to surround themselves with in order to achieve success.
0: What do you tell someone who is listening to our conversation today and says, okay, Laura, I'm I'm hearing you, I am miserable. I make a lot of money. I get vacation. I get uh, medical benefits, whatever the case may be, but I hate my job, but I'm scared. I mean, what if I go out and expose myself to different experiences and I fail? I mean, I got a cushy job now. What would you tell that person? Hey there, it's Mark. I just wanted to hop in here real quick to invite you to check out mrproductivity.com to find out how to be coached by me for less than a dollar a day get my top five productivity tips, and so much more, it all happens over at MrProductivity.com.
1: Well, I'd say two things. The first is that the, the cornerstone of my book, Limitless, How to Ignore Everybody, Carve Your Own Path, and Live Your Best Life, is based on this idea of consonance. And consonance is alignment, it's flow, it's harmony. Mark, you know those moments when the very best of what you can do is being called upon to solve a problem you care about? And you're being rewarded for solving that problem in a way yes. that is meaningful to you. Yes. That's when you are in consonance. You are limitless. The what you do matches the who you are. And consonance, I learned through interviewing all of these thousands of executives over the course of 20 years, is made up of four things. Calling. Connection. Connection contribution and control. So calling is the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning. It's a business you want to build. It's a leader you want to serve. It's a family you want to nurture. It's a cause that you, that you want to, that, that you want to help. Then there's connection and connection answers the question, does your work actually matter? If you didn't show up to work tomorrow, would anybody notice Would anybody care is the work you're doing connected to the calling that you want to serve? Then there's contribution. And we're calling is all about the work. Contribution is really all about you. So does this work contribute to the kind of life you want? Does it allow you to um, build the the career trajectory that you're looking for? Does it pay the kind of money that gives you the lifestyle you want? Does it allow you to manifest your values on a daily basis? And does it uh, allow, is, does, it, does it let you have the, you know, the lifestyle you want? Are you able to have dinner with your family every day or whatever matters to you? And then lastly is control and control really answers the question. Do you have any personal agency to impact how much your work connects to that calling and how much it contributes to the life that you want? So the first thing I would say is you have to figure out what your own personal rubric of consonance is, how much calling, how much connection, how much contribution, how much control do you want and need? So for some of us, we may want lots of one of them and not really care that much about the other. You may not care at all if your work connects, whatever, it doesn't make a difference as long as you're making money that you want, or maybe you don't want as much money if you want to be doing more work that gives you you know, much more value. So the first thing I would do is I would say figure out what your personal brand of consonants is. And as we mentioned up front, I'm fairly intense. I'm a fairly intense person. I think you should take your life fairly intensely. So I've created an assessment at LimitlessAssessment.com, which has like 60 questions. It takes about 20 minutes. It's pretty intense, but it'll give you your exact formula. Now, if that doesn't work for you and you're not an intense person like me, I also created one that just has four questions and it's called myfourquestions.com. So, super easy. Now, those are that's that's one way to figure out what it is that you want. Now, once you figure that out, then comes the side quest. So, do you play video games, Mark? No, I do not. Now, I don't either, but I have two teenage boys, which means I've learned a lot about video games over the years. (laughs) And here's what I've learned. In video games, there's this thing called the side quest. So if the main quest is go to the castle, slay the dragon, save the princess, awesome. But what do you need to do to do that? You got to go on some side quests first. These are quests that are not related to your main quest, but they're side quests. So you're a farmer. How are you going to get to the castle? How are you going to slay the dragon? How are you going to save the princess? Well, you got to till your wheat you got to take it to the market. You got to sell it. You got to take that money and buy potions and a sword and a horse so that when you are ready, maybe you're playing the game with other people and you're waiting for them to log on. When the time you're ready, you can jump on that horse, take your sword, go to the castle, slay the dragon, save the princess. So once you've figured out what your own personal brand of consonants is, you can spend lots of time and here's the silver lining of COVID. We all have a little bit of time because the world's a little bit on pause right now mm-hmm. to be able to go on all these side quests so that when we're ready, we can say maybe one of those side quests is I like my cushy job because it pays me a lot of money. But what if I had a job that paid me just a little bit less, but I liked it more? Let's experiment with living at a little bit of a different budget, or maybe I could get paid the same amount of money in this job that wouldn't be the one I want, but it's one that I would want more, but I need to learn this one skill. So maybe I could take some time and learn that one skill so that I'm ready when they start hiring again to do that kind of work. So those are the two things I'd say, figure out your own personal brand of consonants and then fill in with side quests until you're ready to go on that main quest.
0: You know, you brought up about COVID and, you know, this is eventually going to end there right now as we're recording this on November 19th. There's a couple of really good prospects for the vaccine. And I think in the very near future, that could be months. It could be a year. I don't know. This thing's going to end and we're going to go back to some sort of normal. And I see a lot of people who I see two groups of people. There are people who are just like, like I said earlier, just watching Netflix. They're not doing anything. And then there are people like you and me who are really doing the work. And what's going to happen, in my opinion, when COVID's done, you, these people who are just binge watching Netflix now, they're going to look in the horizon. They go, what are those dots on the horizon? They're moving. Oh, those are people. Because those are going to be the people who are now doing the work, not watching Netflix all the time. You made a good point. There has never been a time like now, and there never will probably be again in our lifetime, where you have so much time to learn a new skill. I mean, you should be doing personal development, in my opinion, every day. A lot of the high performers in the world do that, but you got time. And if you're watching endless videos on YouTube or scrolling endlessly through social media – How is that serving you? More importantly, how is that enabling you to serve other people in the world to, as Steve Jobs says, put a dent in the universe? I want to put a dent in the universe, and I can tell from talking to you, you do as well.
1: Absolutely. And here's the thing, and I know I'm not going to offend any of your listeners by saying this because they wouldn't be listening if they didn't feel this way too. I don't know that COVID has changed us. I think it's just revealed us. I. Mm. You know, I do a, I do a video uh, podcast myself at, that I'm doing in uh, in preparation. It's sort of book research for the next book. And I, I interviewed Joe DeSina, uh, who's the founder of Spartan, uh, the Spartan races on there. And he was like, look, here's the thing. Like the pandemic happened. What did we do? We still went out. We still did the burpees. We still took the cold showers. We still, you know, you know ran uphill with chains and, you know, all the crazy stuff that he does, does up on his Vermont farm. And he said, just because our life has changed doesn't mean our standards have changed. We still do the same thing. We still expect the same of ourselves. And I don't, I think the people that are spending the pandemic watching Netflix were the people who spent time before watching Netflix. I mean, people used to say to me all the time, I don't know how you get as much as done as you get done. And I ask them, how much TV do you watch? Right? Like yeah. I watch, I watch a lot of TV, but I watch it on airplanes. I mean, I don't watch on airplanes now, but normally, right. That would be my time. I would finish a gig. I would, um, Get on the plane to go back home. My brain would be mushed because I just emoted on stage. Like, if you think I'm intense now, you should see me on stage, right? I'm <laughs> emoting on stage for an hour. And then it's like, I just crumple into a ball in fetal position on the plane. And, uh, and I watch, you know, whatever series I'm watching, or I'll watch it on my Peloton, or I'll watch it when I'm, when I'm erging on my, on my rowing machine. But I, I, Here's what I don't let myself do. I don't let myself just sit and watch TV as the primary activity. I may watch a movie with my husband, right? So spending quality time with my husband, primary activity. We happen to be watching TV when we do it. I may be watching TV on that plane, but I'm flying home and I'm usually like kind of answering the sort of mindless emails that I have. Or if I'm working out, I'm doing it. The primary activity is working out, but the people who just went to their couch during the pandemic, those are the people who were on their couch anyway, that was already their safe space. So those people are going to see dots on the horizon, but I think they're already used to the view.
0: I I agree with you. And, you know, people are stunned when I tell them I don't have problems with you watching TV. My wife and I watch TV, never watch it live. We record everything on our TiVo because we don't have cable or satellite. So everything's, you know, over the air, but we watch it on our time. So like, for example, on Wednesdays, there's these three shows we like Chicago Wednesday, Chicago Med, Fire and PD but we don't watch it live. And when you watch it on your schedule, you can watch it on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, watch whenever you want to watch it. And it's only 42 minutes long, but to your point, it's never the primary activity. I, when I sit down and watch TV, I've had a really productive day and I'm really trying to do something interesting with TV. I'm trying not to multitask. So when I'm watching TV, I don't get on the phone, don't get on the iPad. I try to watch the TV. Now, it doesn't mean anything, but it's more of an exercise for me and says, okay, can you just like watch the TV program? Because it's always like we got to be watching TV while we're on our phone. And here's the idea. Let's do one thing at a time. That's one thing I'm really trying to promote in 2020 as we go into 2021 is trying to focus on one thing at once. Now that works for me. I'm not saying that that's the right solution for everybody, but when I sit down and watch TV, I'm just trying to. Uh, trying to enjoy myself, but here's the thing. I don't remember the plot line, so I'm the guy that needs the previously on the show because I don't remember what happened last week or last mm. year. I don't know. So they have to tell me that. I always, I always just tell my wife, why do they have this on there? Now I understand. It's for people like me who enjoy the show, but I'm not going to rent space in my brain to keep track of all these plot lines. You need to tell me what happened last week or I won't remember.
1: Absolutely. I used to joke around. I had a personal trainer at the gym and he would tell me the exercise and we'd go through the first round and then he'd have to tell to me again and we'd go through the second round he'd to tell to me again. And he's like, I don't understand. How are you? And he point out to the winners. Like, how are you so successful out there when you can't? Be successful in here. And I'm like, that's what you're here for. Like, <laughs> I, I don't need to, it's like, it's like Steve Jobs wore the same outfit every day. Like, I don't need Not- to use that space in my brain because as we're doing the lifts, I'm working out the wording for some blog post because that's just my, that's how I think. Like, my brain is working on other things while I'm here. So you, that's your job. Like, <laughs> your job is to make me successful in here. But I will say one thing about the couch and Netflix. I mean, you know, mental health right now is a real thing. And there, you know, the the mental health profession has never been so overburdened as it is right now, because so many people are reaching out and who need help. So for some people going to the couch and going to Netflix is their safe space. But I would ask this question of people who are doing that to so the listeners who are like, well, actually, I am a little offended because <laughs> I've been on the couch. <laughs> um, I would say this, I would say, when you get off the couch at the end of the night, do you feel better? or do you feel worse? If you feel better, great. Do it again. If you feel worse, if you feel the same, then do something else. So for me, there have been times where I, you know, I, you know, I make my living as a speaker. I travel around, I get on airplanes, I go to huge events. None of those things exist right now. And there was a little bit of time that I was like, well, if this is who I am. And then in my hobbies, I'm a competitive rower. Well, rowing wasn't happening. You can't get in a boat with eight people when you can't be around anybody. The seats aren't six feet apart. And so there were all sorts of things where it was like, suddenly I lost my identity in a lot of different ways. And I had to figure out how to quickly pivot to building an online course that's based on the book and to you know start doing the research for the next book, which is a year ahead of what I would have done it. I had to figure out all those pivots. And there were a few days where I was feeling a little blue. And so I sat on the couch and then I Sat on the couch again, and the next day I sat on the couch and I started eating a pint of ice cream. And by the end of it, I was like, you know, (laughs) the first couple of days it made me feel good. I needed to go to ground, but by the third day, the fourth day, when I was, you know, using the Oreos to scoop the ice cream, that (laughs) I I wasn't feeling so good anymore. And that's when I was like, you know what? I need to change. I need to do something different. So if you're using it as a coping mechanism and it's helping. Good. If you're using as a coping mechanism and it's hurting, then go back and think about those side quests. What else can you be doing? Who can you talk to? What informational interviews can you do? What books can you read? What podcasts can you listen to? Because there are a lot of things that you can do that are not focused on your main quest, which is making you feel bad right now, but are your side quests, which are helping you at least feel like you have progress because the best antidote to a rut is action, any kind of action. So pick something. It doesn't have to be the right thing. It doesn't have to be the perfect thing. It doesn't have to be the thing. It just has to be something.
0: You're serious about your online business. I am too. That's why I proudly host my website on Kajabi. It's everything you need all rolled into one platform. For more information and to try Kajabi free for 14 days, go to the link in the show notes or go to markstuchowski.com forward slash Kajabi. That's Kajabi, K-A-J-A-B-I. Yeah, and I I love your high energy, by the way. It's it's very rare that someone comes on my show and matches my energy. This is probably an episode people want to listen on 1XB because you and I both talk really fast. I'm restraining myself. I normally talk much faster. But the thing is, I think it's very contagious when I have my coaching clients and they come on and they're like, so how's it going? Like, oh, honey, it ain't going to work. Uh, I don't go down that level. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. go slow. And because I want to inspire people, and I think people who are high energy, optimist, um, I call myself annoyingly optimistic because I'm always happy. I look at it this way. I wake up every morning as if Chris, it's Christmas morning. It's another day for me to unwrap. It's a gift. And I love that. And I'm not a millionaire. I don't have a private jet. I don't have a Lamborghini, but I don't think that means you can't be happy. I love what I do. I can tell from just being on this podcast with you that you love what you do. And I think that's important. I think too many people are putting things as important thing. I think you need to be find out what that thing is for you. And like I said earlier, it took me 53 years to discover what mine was.
1: Well, you should see me when I have coffee. I never have coffee unless I'm actually getting on stage and speaking. Like this is, I'm, this is just me. So here's the thing when I, when people are like, yeah, but how do I figure out what the thing is? Right. I years ago we brought in a you know Harvard tenured professor to facilitate our business school professor to facilitate our our annual retreat for my executive search firm. We had like 35 staff at the time. They all came in, we had them in a big room and she starts the day off by saying, I'd like to begin by asking everybody to answer this question. How many people is the ideal number of staff for your company? And people went around the room and they were like 35, 106, 12, 14. Like They were just making up numbers and she finally got to me at the very end and i said i i think that's the wrong question like why the number is irrelevant tell me what we're maximizing for are we maximizing for profit are we maximizing for Personal freedom and flexibility, or are we maximizing for impact in the world? So if we're maximizing for profit, we're going to run a very different company than the one we're running right now. If we're maximizing for personal freedom and flexibility, where everybody around here can go to their kids soccer game at Thursday at 4 p.m. and, you know, work at, you know, Thursday at 10 p.m. to make up for it, that's a different company than the one that maximizes for profit. And if we're maximizing for impact in the world, then that changes everything. So maximize for profit, maximize for personal flexibility and freedom or maximize for impact. And here's the thing, Mark, you can have two of the three. I think having all three is hard, but if people are like, I don't exactly know what I'm working towards or why I'm running the business the way I'm running it, I would ask them to ask themselves those questions because for me, I started that business when I had a six-week-old baby. That six-week-old baby is about to graduate from high school. Um, and at the time, it was a virtual company before virtual companies even existed. Like people, we had these old guys in meetings that were like, so you're a virtual firm? Does that mean you're not real? <laughs> and we'd say things. Things to them like, oh well, you know that real firm that you hired before you are even interviewing us. You remember their beautiful office space? God, they had the most gorgeous lobby, and the guys would be like, "Oh no, they never get. We never went to them. They always came to us, and we were like, exactly. So why were you paying for that beautiful office space? And boom, they'd sign on the dotted line. So. I started that company, I wanted to make impact, I wanted to make a dent in the world. And I wanted to be able to have personal flexibility, I wasn't maximizing for profit. But it turned out, when I ran the company based on the first two, and specifically the first two, the third one followed, and we actually made more money than we'd all made in the old search firms of, you know, traditional search firms we were at before.
0: Wow. Well, I love on LinkedIn, your, your headline says a kicking the butt. Of course, I changed that word because of the podcast, a kick in the butt wrapped in a warm hug. I love that because that tells me you really care about your clients. You're going to push them, but you're going to love them at the same time.
1: Absolutely. I, I believe like, I think my superpower is that I'm able to look at somebody and in fairly short form, I'm able to see their greatness and reflect it back on them in ways that either they've never seen it before themselves, or they can finally, for the first time, believe it and actually act upon it. And here's the thing. When when somebody looks at you and says, Mark, you're great. Just go be great. Like, here are the ways that I see that you're great. Just go be great you feel like you can walk through walls. You feel like you have lightning bolts in your veins. If somebody you respect tells you that they think you're great, you have no choice but to believe it. You can't unsee the look in their eyes when they tell you that you're great. So you just got to go be great.
0: I I love that. And I can tell you that for the longest time, you know, as a a productivity coach, I'm like, I I don't know what my greatness is. I, I don't know. And then my clients told me, Yes. You know, I would be on a coaching call and like, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. You could just, I could tell you my problem and you can come up with a solution. But because I was so used to doing it, I was like in the forest, I couldn't see the trees. But oh, my most clients- Most of us,
1: absolutely. Most of us, we think that what makes us great is so obvious. Everyone else can do it. It's so common. And it turns out that the things that are intuitive to us are magical to other people. <laughs> yes. And for the longest time, I was like, are they just blowing smoke up my butt? Are they like, why are these people giving me all these compliments about these things I do well? And then I was like, wait, every time I try to add a column of numbers, I can't do it. And I need my husband to help me figure out how to create, you know, formulas in Excel. And it seems like he might as well levitate me off the ground. It's, it's <laughs> incredible. It's like he sprinkles fairy dust on the keyboard and boom, 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 like my entire PL sheet works perfectly. Oh, but he doesn't have any intuition about people and human behavior. Got it, right? All of us have this magic. And once we look at it and we say, oh, okay, that person told me this was amazing. And that person told me this was amazing. And that person told me this was amazing. I guess I have to stop telling myself that it's not amazing.
0: Yes, 100%. This has been a great conversation with you, Laura. Where can we go to find out more about you?
1: So my name is Laura Gassner-Otting. It's a lot of name. And all my good friends call me LGO. So on all the socials, I'm Hey LGO, And my website shorthand is HeyLGO.com. And that'll get you to my website, to my blog. And if people want to pick up the book, Limitless, How to Ignore Everybody, Carve Your Own Path, and Live Your Best Life, it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, bookshop.org if you want to support your local, uh, local small bookstore. And again, those two quizzes are at Limitless Assessment com if you're in it, it to win it or my four if you just are short on time but still want to get some answers.
0: <laughs> well, we all have time. So I don't want to, as a productivity nerd, I don't want to hear, I don't have time. Just don't watch Netflix. Go take Laura's quiz. I mean, there you go. Problem solved. Laura, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was absolute delight having you on.
1: Thank you, Mark, for having me. I had a great time.
0: And just before we go, don't forget to head on over to my website, com. M-I-S-T-E-R, com. Find out how I can coach you for less than a dollar a day. No joke. And also you can get my top five productivity tips and so much more. It all happens at mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.